So today we're going to be looking at our worldview as Christians. And just to kind of give you a, a little idea of where it, it kind of all started, uh, I got this book uh, by Robbie Zacharias. It's called Jesus Among Secular Gods. And, uh, you know, the very first uh, chapter has to do with worldview. And so it's a great book. It's kind of a workbook that you go through. And it coincides with videos that you watch. And so I'm going to be doing this with my family. If you're interested in this, you know, let me know. I'll, I'll give you guys the book. And um, I mean, not for free. You know, we'll show you how to get it. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll show you where the videos are. You can actually watch them online. And it's a great thing to do, I think, especially for if your children are in high school or, or young adults. It's really good for anyone because you need to equip them with uh, the reasons for the faith. And so anyways, the, the worldview uh, we're going to see today is so important regarding our origin, our morality, our meaning, and our destiny. And I think a lot of the problems that we have today in the world is because we have forgotten where we've come from. We don't know who we are. You know, and it's a message I think that, that everyone can resonate with you know, even in the, the Disney movies, for example, the problem was Simba, remember? Uh, Akuna Matata. Have you guys seen The Lion King? Okay, I know it's been a while. But, you know, eventually the time came where he was just living his life, Akuna Matata. He was just living it up until one day his father appeared to him, Simba uh, Mufasa, right? Mufasa. And he said, you're more than, than you've become. You know, and you fast forward all the way to Moana. Have you guys seen Moana, the, the movie Moana? Okay, so this is a, an assignment for you. Watch the movie, okay? Uh, for how, how many of you have seen it? If you can, raise your hand, okay. So it's a wonderful movie. It really is. I watch it a lot, and I always fast forward to this one part where, where she is ready to give up. She's just ready to give up. And what happens, though, is her grandma speaks to her and just kind of wants her to think. Think about it, sweetheart. Who are you? Who are you? And then what she does is she begins thinking it through. And she says, I'm, I'm, uh, I am, um, what does she say? I, I, I love, I'm a girl who loves her island. I'm a girl who loves the sea. And it calls me. I'm the daughter of the village chief. We are descendants of voyagers, and they call me. And what happens in life, and, and to me, I know it's just a movie, and you're thinking, man, you're weird, but I'm sorry. You know, we take these things to life. The problem a lot of times with us wanting to live it up or just wanting to give up is we forget who we are. We forget where we came from. We forget that we are made by God in his image, for his purposes, to be with him forever. We forget those things. We lose sight of our worldview. And as a result, we end up being either like Simba, who wants to live it up, or Moana, who at one point wanted to give up until she was reminded. We need to be reminded, really, of these things as far as who we are. And all this really is rooted in what we call a worldview. Our worldview is, are the lenses through which we see the world. We have a couple of images here to kind of give you an example. You know, uh, they're, they're the glasses, you know, through which we see things. When, when we wear glasses, we're not necessarily thinking about them per se, 
but they change the way we see the world and therefore they change the way we live in the world. And so, you know, the bottom line is everyone is looking through lenses. All classes are wearing glasses. Everyone has a worldview. The only question is what worldview do you hold to? And so what I thought is like, I want to give them something to take home. I want to give you guys something to think about and to pray over and to really ask yourself, not only do I believe these things, but do I remember these things? Are they rooted in my heart? Is it really the way that I look through the lenses of life? And so, you know, it's so important for us. I think we can say it this way. We're all four eyes. You guys remember that terrible thing they used to call people who wear glasses, four eyes. But in this case, when I think of the lenses, when I think of the worldview, when I think of four eyes, I think of four points that make up our worldview. And this determines how you live your life. Origin, morality, meaning, and destiny. And so let's talk about these things today. And as we do, we need to ask ourselves, not only do I believe this as a Christian, but I am, aware, am I aware of these things as I live life as a Christian? I mean, you can go out. Some of you here, how many of you here wear glasses or contact lenses? If you would, raise your hand. So, oh man, we're blind. <laughs> you know, but imagine what, you, what, what it would be like if you guys, I'm 20 over 200 miles are terrible. Uh, imagine what, what it would be like if I went out in the day without my contacts or without my glasses. See, that's what happens when we forget our worldview. And that's why we need to be reminded of these things. And so in our handout right here, you see, first of all, Roman numeral number one, the word is origin. Uh, and that is the point or place where something begins. And so we need to think about the origin of the universe, which is letter A, and the origin of humanity or the origin of you. The origin of the universe. You know, the non-believing world says it's all an accident. They, you know, they estimate about 13.8 billion years ago, there was a Big Bang. They call it the Big Bang Theory. And seculars believe in this, and that what happened was these chaotic combustibles collided, and by accident, they exploded, and boom, bang, here we are, right? Uh, of course, you know, if you're here and you believe in the Big Bang Theory, you're free to believe that. You know, God has even given you the freedom to believe that. But I, I think that really it's foolish to believe that all this beauty and, and love and life that we have is an accident. No, as Christians, we believe our worldview is that the cosmos were created by God, right? And so we read that here in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 1, so the very first verse of the Bible, shows you how important it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there's a reason, of course, why it's the first verse of the Bible, because once you come to terms with that truth, then the rest just naturally follows. It just flows. When you believe that, God created everything. And we do believe, in one sense, as Christians, in the Big Bang, we just believe that it is God who, who put the big in the bang, right? I mean, when he created everything by the power of his word and he set creation in motion, right? I mean, it's not a theory, it's a fact, but the only difference between us and them is we believe that the Big Bang had a brain, and that is an intelligent designer, a creator, a personal God, and, and what we find is not a theory, it's fact, and what we need to do is acknowledge that there was a mind behind 
all that was made, we have a God who is our creator. You know, and we see it everywhere when our eyes are really open. You know, we see it in the, go down to Arcadia. You guys ever check out those peacocks that hang out over there? You know, I mean, you know, or how many of you, any of you guys ever seen the saltwater fish and the beautiful colors of, of the saltwater fish? I mean, we see it in the way that a man can love his wife and bring forth the family. That whole process of procreation brings us really to the, the point of creation, how it's not by accident, it's all by design. And so, you know, the way that you believe regarding the origin of, of the universe and the origin of you, the origin of humanity. You know, secularists believe in what we call evolution. And, you know, they say, the non-believer says, about six million years ago, somewhere in Africa, man came on the scene. And, of course, that all started, you know, millions of years before that. You know, they believe basically first the goo, then the zoo, then you, right? That's what they believe, right? And, and the, the terrible thing about it is that this is what they're teaching our children in public schools. They're teaching as fact when really there's no scientific evidence for it. They base everything on a, on a handful of discoveries. If, if evolution were true, there should be a plethora of fossil evidence. And there's not. There's not. There's, so, there's such a lack of fossil evidence that scientists have come to another theory. They believe in what's called punctuated equilibrium because we believe in evolution, so to speak, within the species. Yes, we acknowledge that there are changes within the species, but not from species to species. There never was there a day, but they have to believe this in punctuated equilibrium where uh, a lizard, you know, or whatever, you know, gave birth to something beyond its species, or one day a cat, you know, had a dog, that type of thing. That's how much they lack that evidence, right? And so when you study science today, this whole thing is crazy. I was reading uh, some, some quotes by some famous scientists who actually believe that everything came from nothing, because really, when you think about life, when you think about the origin of uh, the cosmos and the origin of you, you have to have something that's eternal or something came from nothing. Now, we believe in an eternal God. They believe in eternal matter. Or they believe that everything, at one time there was nothing, and then something came. And the reason why they have to come up with that theory is because of the second law of thermodynamics, so the law of entropy that says the universe is winding down. Well, if it's winding down, then it would have ended infinitely a, a long time ago, right? And so um, what we find is that when you look at the evidence, you know, there's never a time where something can come from nothing. Would you guys agree with that? I tried that with my aunt one time. When I remember when I was living with my aunt and I had some drugs in my, in my, in my you know, drawers and I guess she discovered it you know it's okay for parents to be snooping around in in your kid's room just to let you know but uh, you know she's like where'd those drugs come from I don't know they just they just came there I mean this is weird it's a miracle you know (laughs) and you know of course as a parent you're not going to believe that something came from nothing how foolish but that's what Our scientists believe. And what we find in the Bible is it's so true that professing to be wise, they became fools. Fools to believe that something came from nothing. Fools to believe 
that we're here by accident, by random chance. I've told you this before, that that's like believing there's an explosion in a print shop and out comes a dictionary. Or there's an explosion in a junkyard and out comes a 747. It doesn't work that way. And so as Christians, we believe that we're created by God in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You know, you look at the passage here, notice what it says. In Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so, In verse 26 of Genesis 1, you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit having a conversation. That's why we have the word us there. Let us make man in our image, right? And so we're not uh, from the animals. As a matter of fact, when God made us, he gave us dominion over the animals. If you go to chapter 2, verse 7, we have more details on this. And here we see how personal it was. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And here we see how, how, how awesome just to know who you are, where you've come from. You're created in the image of God, in his likeness. The, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and he took us. And, he, and you know, you might think, well, the, du- the dirt, the dust is not much. And it's true, but we're still handmade by God. And he himself breathes into us the breath of life, into our nostrils. That's how we're made. We need to go back to this. We need to put these glasses on every day. We need to know, you know, our worldview and not just say I believe it one day, but let it be something that you wear every day. I am made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God, handmade by God. He gave us the breath of life. You know, we're not just natural. We're supernatural. You know, we're not descendants of beasts. We're sons and daughters of God. You know, and in your notes, it talks about the fact that we're rational and we have the ability to reason and we're, we're social. And that means that we have the ability to have an intimate and personal relationship with other people. It talks about the fact that we're moral and that means that we have the ability to discover and do what's right. And it talks about the fact that we're spiritual And that means that not only do we have the capacity to have a personal and intimate relationship with other people, we have the capacity to have that personal and intimate relationship with God. We were made by God for God. And we must never forget that. You see, knowing, number one, the origin, Roman number number two when it comes to our worldview, there's this word morality. Morality, what's right and, and what's wrong? These are principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong or, or good and, and bad behavior. Now, secularists believe in relativism. The belief that morals exist only in relation to culture, society, or historical context 
and they believe that they're not absolute, that there are no absolute right and wrong. And, and basically what that is, is described in the book of Judges, chapter 17 and verse 6. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's our world today. And you have to check your heart to make sure that that's not you. In those days, there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Today, in our hearts, who's king? Who's lord? Who's boss? Who's master? You know, I hope it's not you or, or the politicians or the popular opinions of the world. You know, that's what we see in Judges, and it's not right. Uh, Proverbs twelve fifteen it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. You know, the Bible says that when you just live life based on what you think is right, then you're a fool. No, we have to understand we have a God, we have a king, we have a master, we have a Lord. He's the one that determines what's right and wrong for everyone. And that's why in the book of Deuteronomy 12, verse 8, the Bible says you shall not all, at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing what is right. In his own eyes. See, and this is why we know it's not okay to be gay. You know, not because, you know, Manny said it or you said it. You know, but what's happening today in the society that we live in is they say it's okay because we've come now to a time, we've come now to a culture. It's, it's relativism based on popular opinion. Now, again, whatever you do, you don't go out and you don't, you know, hate people. You love people. Sin is sin, whether it's gay or, or greed. But the thing that we have to understand is that we, within the rights that we have within our legislation, we have to stand for what's right. You know, and so, again, make sure that you're not bashing people for their lifestyle, but also make sure you're not, that you're not swallowing what the world is trying to feed you because they say it's right. You know, the law says it's okay to get high and smoke weed. I'm sorry, man, but I know I did that before I was a Christian. And there might be a context where someone is in, you know, they got cancer or something and they have to, you know, take some morphine or some medication to help them. But just because the world says it's right, you know, it doesn't mean it's right. You don't have the right to get high. It's sorcery, the Bible says. And so, you know, we have to come to this place in our life where it's like, okay, my worldview says that my origin is from God, not the goo. My worldview says that he's the one that determines morality. You know, not me, not popular opinion, not culture, you see? Christians believe in what's called revelation, where it's written on our hearts, right? And that's what we call a conscience. You guys remember Pinocchio? See, it, all in the Disney movies, I'm telling you guys, man. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket, he would come and he would, you know, try to tell him what's right so that he can be a real boy, you know. And that's the way we're made in the book of, of Romans. Let's turn there real quick, if you would. Romans chapter 2 in verse 15, it says, uh, who show the work of the law 
written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves, their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. And so here you have a, a, a place where these are Gentiles. Uh, Paul is writing about a place where they haven't received the, the word of God, but they have a law already written in their hearts that kind of has a, a little beeper that tells them when they're doing wrong or even when they're doing right, accusing or excusing. It's all within the code. This is how we know what's right. And so do, whatever you do, listen to your conscience. Don't violate it. Don't sear it. Be sensitive to it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, today in some of the modern cars, we have a couple that we're, we drive around. And, and you guys have, any of you guys have the cars that beep, 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 when you're getting close to the wall or something? You guys have any of those? No, no I'm sorry. I got me a nice car, man. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, you know, when I'm backing out and it starts beeping when you get close to something, it even beeps when you're, you know, coming, you're going to come close to, and you hit something in the front, behind, the sides. It even beeps when you're getting out of, out of line in the lane. That's kind of cool. You know, I, I do it all the time. I fall asleep while I'm driving, but it's okay. It wakes me up. See, that's kind of what a conscience is. And so God is the one who gives us a conscience. But, but the main way that we know what's right is not the revelation on our heart as much as the revelation of God's word, the Bible. And what we have in the Bible is what's right and wrong. There's a scripture in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. If you guys want to turn there real quick. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice what it says. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And you might want to circle the word right in the word righteousness, right? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, this is how we know what's right and wrong. We have the revelation written on our hearts and we have the revelation of the Bible. And this is why it's so important that you read your Bible. And uh, not to sound legalistic, but I am just going to throw this out there at you guys. I want to encourage you to read your Bibles every day. I, I can't see how a person would want to go out the door without having first spent time with God. And you read your Bible and God shows you. He continues to teach you and show you, you know, what's right or how to get right or how to stay right. That's what 2 Timothy is talking about right here. You know, this is the way that we determine morality. It's not based on what you say or he say or they say or the popular opinion of the whole wide world. Who, the one who tells us what's right and wrong is the God who's given us his word. There's a, a neat passage in Hebrews. If you want to... Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 13, notice what it says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a baby. So, you know, everyone's got to start there. You know, if you're a new believer, you, you haven't been walking with the Lord for a long time, then, you know, you have to start with the milk. It's okay, you're just barely learning the word, Right? 
but you want to begin to get to know it more and more because notice what he says in verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised or stimulated to be able to discern both good and evil. You see, what happens is when you know the word more than you become mature, then you know what's right and what's wrong. Uh, you know what's legalism. You know what hedonism is. I mean, if, if we don't come to this worldview, if we believe that we're descendants of animals, then what stops the people from acting like animals? How do animals act? They rape. And it might be a violent rape or it might be a dignified rape where a man puts someone's drug, a drug in a drink. And it, this is the world that we live in. But if that man believed that he came from God, that he was made by God, and he one day is going to stand before God, maybe that would stop him from raping her. The other day I was talking to a husband who his daughter is being beaten I mean, uh, 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 yeah, uh, a guy, a father whose daughter is being beaten by her husband. This is animal. This is animal behavior. They're violent. They're sexually promiscuous. What stops that dog from being with that dog on the corner over there? The assault. But when we begin to learn the word, you know, it changes everything. And, and, and I realize this is right and, and this is wrong. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, it says that they came to a time where they called evil good and good evil. That's where we're living today. You're a Christian, you stand for righteousness. You know, you, 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 know, you believe in the scriptures. Then eventually they, we've come now to a place where it's not just post-Christian, it's, it's anti-Christian. And, and we're going to be persecuted unless there's some type of great awakening or revival in the nation that we live in. But if they threaten you uh, to ostracize you or to imprison you or to hurt you or, or kill you, will you compromise? No, because we know I'm made by God, I'm made for God, and one day I'll stand before him and give an account. See, in looking at this, this is how we know what's right there's a, a beautiful passage in the book of Micah. And you guys might know this because I think it's on the bottom of the in and out cup. <laughs> Micah uh, chapter 6 in verse 8. You guys know this passage, huh? It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? You see, he's shown us. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You see, for us, as having a worldview, it has to do with origin. Never forget that. And it has to do with morality determined by God. Thirdly, it has to do with meaning or purpose. And, and to me, this is the one that's most fascinating, meaning, meaning. 
a purpose. This is a little bit more challenging for me to put my finger on. You know, the, 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 the secularists will tell you that basically they're, because of the fact that you're not made by God, that there's really, the meaning is determined by you. Now, there are some secularists out there who believe that we need to make this world a better place. And that's okay. We as Christians believe that too, but we don't put everything into this world because we know that this world is passing away. But we do want to make it a better place for our children and the generations to come. But, but when it comes to meaning, uh, throughout the ages, most Christians would tell you that the reason I was made was to glorify God and enjoy Him. Exalt God, exalt God and enjoy Him. Have you guys ever gone through this? And I, I know sometimes, I, you guys, because I'm just a romantic, romantic, you guys know what romantic means? It means the guy who thinks too much. That's what it means. But you know, like you listen to a song and you're trying to get the meaning of the song and there's no meaning. Have you guys ever done that? Like the guy wasn't really trying to give a message. He was only trying to like, you know, do a rhyme or you know, there's really not, no thought to it. I, there's some songs like that. Um, you know, but for me, that, that's kind of how it is with life. It, for some people, there's really like no meaning, no purpose. You know, you get up and you just do it. You don't think about really the big picture. You don't think about your calling, your purpose, how you're to glorify God and enjoy Him. Well, Manny, what do you mean glorify God? What does that mean? What does it mean to glorify God? How can we glorify God? You know what? I think that the way we glorify God is, number one, we point to him. We point people to him, not to me. We point people to God. There's a God who loves you. He saved you. He wants to be with you. You got to accept him as Lord and Savior. We point people to him, but we live a life that, that, that makes him look good, too. It's kind of funny. You say you're a Christian? Yeah, I wear his name, I bear his name. Then you better live the life, because if you don't, then you might drag his name through the mud, but if you do, you glorify him. If ever you do anything good, you never take the accolades, never. Because we know who we are, we're weak and we're wretched, we're unworthy and unable. We always point everything that's good to God. So we glorify God but, but we also enjoy him. This is life. This is the meaning of life. This is the purpose of life. And there's a lot to it. In one sense, I would say that the, the morality is what's right for everyone. But the meaning, in one sense, is what's right for me. Like, what am I supposed to do in life? We talked about Moana. You guys got to see the movie, you know? We talked about, you know, Simba. What about you? And, and, you know, I was talking to my kids about this the other day, and I said, okay, ask them a question. I said, when, you, when we eat together, when we eat together, um, what's the purpose? Is it, is it for the food or is it for the fellowship? And they said, the food, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because, um, there, you know, how many of you guys like good food? You're like, oh, the salsa. You know, just, the, I mean, it's, and, it, and in one sense, it's true. Like, and there's another question that's kind of related to that. What's the purpose? Is it, is, it, is it the arrival or is it the journey along the way? What would you say? 
Yeah, you guys are split, man. I mean, I think in one sense, you know, of course, we want to make sure we make it there. But man, who doesn't want to have a good time along the way? That's why God gave us taste buds. God wants us to enjoy life. As a matter of fact, we have this passage right here in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to what? Enjoy. So, you know, it's okay to smile along the way. You know, I know life is hard, but you got to lift up your eyes to the Lord. And as you do, what you'll find is that, you know, you're going to get out of life what God wants you to, number one, to exalt Him, number two, to enjoy Him. Sometimes we go through hard times just to receive His comfort so we can comfort others. But all I'm saying, you guys, is we have to make sure that we know why we're here. You know, Christians, in our notes, it says, believe what we were created to exalt and enjoy God, really to help others both temporally and eternally, right? You guys are familiar with the passage in Philippians 1.21? You guys remember that? It's a good summary statement as far as what it's all about. For me to live is Christ. That's a good statement as far as the meaning of life, right? And I was listening to Lecrae uh, this morning, and I want to share with you guys the words that he, ha- he wrote in this song, Don't Waste Your Life. He said, you're trying to figure out what to do with your life. If you make a lot of money, hope you're doing it right. Because the money is God's, you better steward it right and stay focused. You ain't got no ride. Your life ain't wrapped up in what you drive, the clothes you wear, the job you work the color of your skin. Now you're a Christian first. People get to living for a job, make a little money, start living for a car, get them a wife, a house, kids, and a dog. Then they retire, they're living high on the hog. But guess what? They didn't ever really live at all to live as Christ. That's Paul, I recall. I mean, if it's all about the materialism or the hedonism or to live it up, or you're there you are and you're ready to give up, listen, you got to look up and remember you were made by God for God. I mean, it's an amazing life. It's not a natural life. It's a supernatural life. And what ends up happening is we forget. And people, they, maybe they, they're living life without that purpose, without that meaning. You know, at the end, we have Roman numeral four, and that is our destiny. You know, secularists believe they will cease to exist, right? And, you know, maybe there are some who believe in, you know, not secularists, but, you know, those who are different religions might believe in uh, annihilationism or they might believe in reincarnation. But the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then after this, the judgment. For us, we know at the end of the day, there's two options, right? Heaven or hell. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, for me, that's what it's all about, man. As a philosopher at heart, I want to know, you know where I came from. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what the meaning of life is, what the purpose of life is. And what we find at the end of the day is that these are our worldviews. 
And when life starts going south or sideways or it gets discombobulated, when we're confused, when we're depressed, when we're empty and without void, then what has happened is we have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten where we came from and where we're going. As Christians, you guys know that, you know, well, I'm going to heaven and that's cool, but that's not it. You're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account on your faithfulness to the gifts and the talents and the opportunities and the life that he's given you. Were you faithful with the things that he's entrusted to your care? We're not going to stand before him at the white throne judgment. We're going to stand before him at the bema seat judgment. And God is going to judge the motives and the works that we have lived out on life on planet earth. And then based on that, we believe that we will receive our eternal rewards. Do you guys ever think about that day? It's coming. We don't know when. For some, it might be soon. Who knows? No one has tomorrow guaranteed. So what we have to do is live life in light of these things, right? And so, you guys, I pray that you would always have those lenses on, that you would be four-eyed Christians, you know? Know your origin, know morality, know your meaning, and then know your destiny. And as you do, I think God's going to do a great work.